Hey everyone, this is Season 3, Episode 1 of Guards of Eden. Today's guest is Megan Airy. Before I talk about the episode, however, I want to wish everyone happiness and health at this time where the world's in somewhat of a disarray and I appreciate that it's times of anxiety and fear for some loneliness as well. And I just want to wish you guys nothing but good energy and love across your way because I know this, it can be quite a scary time right now. So I hope that Cards of Eden can help in some way as that journey, as this we try and figure this out as a society and as a, a global community, as it were. But as I said, today's guest, Megan Airy, some of you may know her better as Megan Nicola through the work that she does and her coaching work. She's also the artist of the artwork that you're seeing right now and something that I'm extremely appreciative of and very grateful that Megan managed to work that out. I met Megs about two weeks before we recorded the episode and her energy was just so warm and inviting and I just loved sitting down with her and it felt like a perfect fit straight away in terms of Guards of Eden and sharing her story and you know what I've built this platform upon so extremely grateful that that was the case and Meg's story starts out in Zimbabwe she's moved up moved a lot as a kid and you hear that in the story but I think that it's this mixture of this peaceful calm energy but a resilience and a will to over overcome adversity that it just makes the story so unique and something I'm so proud to share Meg's just has this phenomenal phenomenal energy I'm so so proud of what the episode ended up being for those of you that may be wondering why I've waited as long as I have for the episode to release today which is March 31st is that it actually represents a year passing of an artist that I love in Nipsey Hussle and a phrase that he made famous for his work is the marathon continues and I think it's something that it's a sentiment that definitely our society needs right now in terms of the inner inner determination to overcome as well as just a fight to overcome as well so it was important I kind of celebrated a day that really an artist that I, I admire just wholeheartedly for what he achieved in his short time here on earth so rest in paradise for Nipsey Hussle and I can't wait for you guys to hear this so without further ado three two one the marathon continues Hey Megs, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm really good. good. Thank you for wa- welcoming me into your abode. <laughs> I love it. It's very cosy. I think it's, yeah, a nice little studio place if you can call it that. Got yeah. the fairy lights. It's very you. Yeah, I think it is. Fairly minimalistic, I'd say. And welcoming. But yes, that is the, I like that, yeah. yeah. Nice and warm and, yeah, inviting. Yeah. Which I think you've done a great job. Thank you. <laughs> right, question number one. This is a question I ask everyone as of season two, but now of season three. Um, can you give me a song that reminds you of a happy time in your life or a good memory? I love this. There are a few, but the main one that sticks out is Nina Simone, Feeling Ooh. Good. Ooh, yeah, every that. time I hear it, I'm always like, it takes me back to... My childhood, my parents used to play it, you know, on full blast, maybe at the weekend. And it just always reminds me of um, 
cherished family time i love yeah. it yeah and it's oh. such a feel-good song as well yes it is yeah. oh so that's gonna live on the gods of eden soundtrack Yay. which is spotify playlist um yeah, and you're the first of season three. I'm very, very happy to be here. Yeah! <laughs> right, life began for Megs in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember much from that time? Um, so I left, I left before I was, just before I was five. Mm-hmm. So I remember growing up, I remember, <laughs> so, a little bit cringe, but oh. um, at primary school, preschool, winning the kindness cup award oh. when i was four yeah i remember getting that so there's like um little hints of like childhood memories i always remember it as being a very much just a fun time mm. um i wish i'd had longer there i really, really wish i'd yeah been able to establish more roots but it is what it is and the country was already I mean, we left when my little sister, I think she was about three months old, six months old. And my oh. parents were just like, nah, we've got to get out of here. It's, it's not looking good. So we moved to the UK. But, yeah. Yeah. And then whereabouts in the UK did you end up moving? So we started in Essex. We were okay. in Rittle, yeah. but my parents um, weren't that happy. I was getting to the age where... I was starting to pick up an Essex accent and I don't think my parents were that happy. And I was starting to, I mean, I was, how old was I? I was like nine, I think. And I was starting to, you know, want to wear makeup and all this kind of stuff. So my parents were like, we need to get out of here ASAP. (laughs) So we then moved to the Isle of Wight and I loved the Isle of Wight. We were much more, um, everything was so safe. Like I remember my parents not even locking the front door. Um, Car doors weren't locked. I had, I just remember playing outside all the time with my friends, playing on our bikes and like having a real childhood. And I think that's something that potentially in the UK, I feel like kids grow up quite quickly. So it was really nice to have that freedom again. Um, And we were on the Isle of Wight, yeah, for just under five years. And then we moved back to Africa again. Yeah. How was it to move so much as a kid? I don't know. I think it has its pros and cons. Like by the time I was 15, I'd been to nine or 10 different schools. So it made me really good at adapting. Um, I think I've always naturally been a good communicator and I've always luckily made friends really easily, but that put it onto just another, another level. But I do often envy like friends who are still in touch with you know people they went to preschool with or primary school with and as much as I have contact with my friends who are all over the world I they're not necessarily in my day-to-day life and we moved obviously homes a lot so I don't really I think the the place I would consider home was our last home in in Malawi which Mm -hmm. we now don't have because my dad's moved here now Mm Um, so things like that, I kind of, you know, my boyfriend's been in the same house since he was, you know, really young and I just, oh, that's so nice. And so it was pros and cons. There's always, yeah, everything in balance. So you, I read the blog that gave me quite a good summary of like, I guess just your, you know, where you were located at different ages and everything. And you use the, um, the mean girls meme about about why are you white because you you're born in africa yeah so mum and dad where were they like kind of 
born and raised somewhat to find each other? So my mum was born in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. My biological dad was born in South Africa. Uh-huh. My stepdad was born in the UK, but moved to Africa when he was, I guess, 10 or 12. Uh-huh. And they met through work. But my grandparents, um, I think my, my gran is, because I've got three sets of family now. Yeah. So all of my grandparents are all, all moved to Africa or, or were born there. Uh-huh. So I've got quite a few generations of African within my family, some yeah. German, some French. So yeah, a little bit of a mix. So I always look, you know, I'm really proud to be African. I really, really am. It sometimes, yeah, it always shocks people when I say where I'm from. Like yeah, you yeah. just wouldn't guess. Um, but I think that's, yeah, something quite unique and something that I'm really proud to have as my heritage. Yeah, because you're... I had watched a couple of like IGTV stuff before we met properly. And then your accent, that's the thing. Because you spent that, like you spent some portion in South Africa. I was like, maybe, I, like I just couldn't pick up your accent. Yeah. But you get people that are like, where are you from? Because your accent's not, your accent's not British. It's not like typical of a country yeah. that I've heard anyway, but. It's very mixed. The It, re- it comes out really strongly when I've had a f- few to drink. Yeah. And when I say certain phrases, so like if I say here, like oh, I say here, yeah. um, I say just now, but that's that's mm. just a phrase. Mm. Um, what else? Yeah, it kind of comes up. When I say it, people are then like, oh, actually, sometimes I can hear a bit of a twang. Yeah, yeah. But it's not until I kind of say it that they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> now it makes sense. But when I was in Australia, mm. I remember a few, even our Airbnb hosts being like, are you from South Africa? I was like, how on earth have you picked that up? Yeah, right. Like, if anywhere, I would have thought I'd sound more British. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a very kind of weird accent. Yeah, my <laughs> London accent used to come out when I was drinking. Really? Yeah, when I was at summer camp, I would try and put on a more, I guess, just a more bland version of the accent because the kids couldn't hear me. But um, And they were like, what are you saying? What? <laughs> and then I'd, like, drink with the American, like, counsellors, like, when we were off, and they'd be like, your accent is like really kicking it's in. It's really strong. <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah, yeah. let's have fun. <laughs> <laughs> the guards have dropped. <laughs> how, uh, how was your time in Africa, like your teenage years and early 20s, I guess? It was a little bit... So I moved... I remember saying, when my parents said, listen, we're going to move back to Africa. And how do you guys feel? Are you okay with this? And I remember having two requests. Mm-hmm. I said, I'll move if, A, I don't have to go to boarding school, mm-hmm. and B, I can continue to dance, because I was a huge dancer. That was what I wanted to do. That was my firstborn passion. So I went there. I had to stop dancing, and I, I voluntarily asked to go to boarding school. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I w- I'd been there for a couple of months, and it was an international school, and I just remember being so unhappy, like, mm-hmm. I'd never really experienced that type of unhappiness at school mm. to the point where like just every day I was waking up feeling miserable, anxious, I didn't want to go. So I just thought, you know what, I wasn't happy with the level of education I was getting. I knew I wasn't pushing myself enough. Um, and I also knew that, uh, call it an intuition, but I knew I would have to learn to live without my mum. Uh. Without, 
getting to the age of 18 and feeling like shit I can't leave home I can't pursue my career because I don't want to leave my mum and I know it sounds crazy but Mm. that was a real like a very big concern for me so I kind of I don't know yeah I remember saying to my parents like this is what I want to do and my mum I think she was so shocked a little bit upset because she went to boarding school when she was five and she just Uh said it's one thing I'll never push my kids to do because she was she hated it so I went to boarding school it was one of the toughest things I ever did I remember just being so homesick for the first like six months and homesickness is I can't even begin to describe what it feels like it is the worst feeling you could ever put yourself through but oh my god am I so grateful I did it because a few years later on um on the morning of my so my mum had been diagnosed with cancer when we had literally just moved back to Africa we'd been there for like three weeks Mm. we weren't even in our house yet we were living in a guest house waiting for our our furniture to arrive and she got air vac to South Africa because Malawi is East Africa and we don't have big hospitals or um, medical care like that and I just knew I knew it was cancer and um, so she was in remission for four years by the time I went to boarding school she was on chemotherapy and she was um, the cancer started to go and then it came back again um, after high school I think she got re-diagnosed when I was about 1918 went through I think it's so hard to remember because it was quite a few times I think it was the second time that she dropped chemotherapy she was just like I cannot do chemo again she was like it made her so sick and it it didn't work unless she was on it so the minute she stopped it grew back so we went the alternatives the alternative way and that was really starting to to work I think it just aligned with my mum's values a lot more my mum was never one to kind of believe in conventional ways of treating the human body or you know even in terms of mindset and a lot of the mindfulness stuff that I now practice was from my mum yeah she went to an amazing clinic in Germany and that was starting to work but by that stage it was she was stage five stage four okay yeah and so she unfortunately passed away on the morning of my 21st birthday Mm. so weirdly I just knew at Mm. the age of 15 for some reason I would have to get to use I'd have to learn to live without my mum how was your relationship with your mum growing up oh we were inseparable she's literally she was the carbon copy I was exactly like her um I lost my biological dad when I was very young when I was three months old so I don't really have any memories of him and it's quite weird because I I was listening to something the other day and watching something on the tv actually about grief oh it was the Rio Ferdinand which was really really interesting and when they were talking to the kids and Mm. comparing like is it easier to lose someone that you have next to no memories of or is it harder to lose someone that you've got a lot of memories with uh-huh. and I remember thinking yeah I was a bit like it was definitely harder to lose my mum for sure um I think we developed a little bit of a, a reliance on one another she was the only person that was a constant in my life and someone that we just had this undeniable connection because obviously obviously she's my mum yeah. but it went deeper than that I can't explain it yeah. um so that was 
awful. Yeah. Losing her was like losing a limb. Mm. Um, and I really didn't kind of know what to do with myself afterwards. But yeah, that's when I then, two months later, I kind of moved to London. But I'd say all in all, my childhood in Africa was incredible because I feel like I really had to... I learned such invaluable skills. I learned how to be an adult. I learned how to look after myself at the age of, you know, 15, 16, how to live by myself without my parents, how to manage money, all those kind of things. Mm. And it really just enables me to kind of spread my wings much more gently after I left high school. Yeah. Because when you left high school, you decided against college and university, right? Yeah, I did. (laughs) How did that decision come about? It just felt really natural. I was just, I've always been the type, I was really scared about going to university and college, Mm. learning a degree. I feel like this is a bit of a theme. I'm always preempting how I'm going to feel after I do something. So, you know, the whole reason I went to boarding school, I was worried about leaving and not feeling okay. I didn't want to go to university and college because I was worried about leaving and not feeling that I had the practical skills and the confidence. So there was nothing that pulled me towards university. I mean, I guess I could have studied psychology, mm-hmm. but I was really kind of desperate to just get my foot in the door and just start so yeah. that by the time I was in my mid-30s or late 20s, I'd be you know, living the life that I, I've always dreamed of. So it was almost my way of kind of getting that head start. Because you did a lot of self-development stuff, like super young, right? Yeah. Again, my mum. That was all my mum. I think she gave me my first self-development book when I was 14. But I only picked it up and actually read it when I was about 15, almost 16. And that was Louise Hay. Um, I always forget what it's called. Like Heal, Heal Yourself or Love Yourself or something like that. It's yeah. one of her first books. So yeah, for the last 10 years now, I've been actively practicing and learning these invaluable skills I just wish was taught in schools and was part of our educational system. It's, yeah, integral qualities and techniques and tools that every single person needs to have in their toolkit. Do you have a favorite self-development book that you've read? Yes, and it's the one I always tell everyone because it changed my life in a dramatic way. Um, and again when I think back about it actually it was around the time where I really needed this information because it wasn't long after that I lost my Mm mum so it's like it's weird actually now when I reflect I think about all these things that fell into place and yeah didn't even realize it's called Letting Go by Dr. David Hawkins okay and it's a really amazing book in terms of just putting mindfulness into a really simple format that you can understand and start to apply but it it goes deeper in terms of like understanding where so uh, the analogy of like holding onto the rope so you know when you're struggling and when we experience things or say someone owes you money and you just you feel like you've just got a hold on you've got to force it to make the situation better he uses this analogy of like letting go of the rope yeah. in terms of the, the harder you hold on to the rope, the more bruises and cuts you get. But actually, if you let go of the rope, you stop the pain altogether, the struggle altogether. Yeah. And um, it was an amazing introduction into management of my emotions 
and also how to just find peace in really difficult situations where all you want to do is force this situation or fix this situation or get the other person to see that you're right and they're wrong that whole introduction of living a much more peaceful and happy life yeah that's great i'm gonna put that in the um show notes for this definitely um i want to talk about you as a writer oh, okay because we obviously got in touch through email contact yes um and it was the first it was the first thing i kind of processed when i read your email and i was like wow really well written oh. i really liked it and then <laughs> and then obviously i've you know been able to see you on instagram and how you write these beautiful captions and, oh, thank you. um has that been an outlet you've always enjoyed weirdly I've only come to realize that probably the end of last year no ah. joke literally like two months ago yeah Cosmo so my first job out of high school I went straight to Cosmo magazine yeah and I was in the beauty department and I was a content writer and I that was a one skill actually that I definitely learned from going to boarding school uh-huh. my English classes my I remember my English teacher and just being she was batshit crazy <laughs> but I feel like all the best English teachers are she was just phenomenal she was next level and I've carried so much of what I learned in those classes into my writing mm-hmm. Cosmo was great because it gave me this chance to develop my more creative side of writing mm-hmm. But obviously I had to stick within a certain tone and a certain voice and brand identity. And then when I started to use it in my own business, I think I took for, gra- I, I took for granted how easily writing comes to me. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a creative outlet. It's definitely that something that just helps me share a really powerful message. And like I can write them in, I can write them whilst being on the tube, I can write them in under like five minutes. And it's something that... Yeah, I definitely have definitely taken for granted. But I think the power of language is is so important because, you know, whatever your message is, there's always going to be someone that resonates with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if I can, building a business can be really tough and you can kind of get caught up in, oh, I don't have enough followers or I don't have very good engagement or this, that and the other. And that was a cycle I was trapped in for. And I still have to watch. But... I just always try and remind myself that if I can write something so powerful that it helps just one person that day, then I'm satisfied, I'm happy. It's helped one person. That's one more person that can spread it onto someone else and impact, and it becomes this domino effect. So it's almost like one of my tools now that I'm able to use to help other people. Good. Yeah, Yeah, I've always enjoyed writing. That's why I was... I I don't know, maybe... Maybe enjoy is not the right word, but I always had a knack for it early. Yeah. When I was like 13, 14, I loved my English teacher and she was, you know, yeah, just great fun. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of learned how to use it as a tool to like express myself. Definitely. And everything. So it's whenever I speak to someone that I'm like, I respect in that, like in that sort of way, it always intrigues me to like how they use it in you know just in their life in general yeah but. yeah no it's true and it's definitely something i'm bringing more into now mm. but yeah no i love it good <laughs> so we are currently in the stage of you now moving to england at 21 yeah. how was that experience early on um 
if I'm being honest, I was probably trying to run away from a lot of emotions I wasn't ready to deal with. Mm. Um, it had been two months since my mum had passed, or just under, actually. Yeah. Um, so I was in serious survival mode. Yeah. Um, so I arrived. I was staying with my aunt originally. First of all, it was freezing i don't think i'd ever experienced that type of cold or i couldn't remember the last time Mm -hmm. my god because i arrived in like mid-jan like the the 10th of january or something oh my god i was like what have i done (laughs) um it was it was a bit of a culture shock i i was meant to have an internship lined up that fell through um i was living in the corner of my aunt's living room and i kind of it felt like i was almost starting again really Everything that I'd built in Cape Town was, you know, I was literally starting again. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any friends here. I had some family here, but not necessarily in London. So I'd managed to score myself another internship with a fashion stylist. And that was just toxic. She's, I often quote this and stuff, but... She's literally what Devil Wears Prada is based right. on. Uh-huh. One of your stereotypical kind of fashion stylists. Yeah. Um, so that ruined my self-confidence even more. Mm. Um, then I went on to work for another, another fashion company. But I think in all this time, I was kind of figuring, my, figuring out where I was, what I wanted. I just knew that I never wanted... I really didn't want to work for someone else. And Mm -hmm. I was just doing this to get enough experience. I kept saying, I'll start a business when I've got enough experience. I'll do this when I've got enough experience. And I just... I was like, nah, I'm done with this. I qualified as a personal stylist. I thought that was the way that was meant to help. always knew that my mission was to help other women realise that anything is possible. But also just be able to kind of share my own self-confidence journey because I was riddled with self-doubt and it's Mm. it was a conscious and constant kind of practice and I just knew there were things that I could help someone else if I was feeling like this there had to be someone else yeah but I thought maybe that was through personal styling so I qualified and started up my business um Things just weren't, something felt like it was missing. It wasn't quite what I wanted. And obviously at the same time of that, now being self-employed, I wasn't really, I wasn't sitting in an office Mm -hmm. filled with people. So I was struggling to meet people. And it wasn't until I had some friends who came across from Malawi, who finished um, high school there, and they came across for uni, that I kind of had a bit of a base again. Um, and I moved houses a few times and then slowly but surely I kind of found my feet Mm. but it was nice to have that kind of home comfort again because London can be so lonely 100% and you'd never guess sometimes because there are just so many people in London Mm. but I remember just being a bit shocked at I remember going to Harrods on like the first second Maybe first full day here after I'd arrived, my mum was like, okay, let's go to Harrods. Let's do a really like fun London day trip. And I remember getting on the tube and just smiling and looking at everyone dead in the eyes, like giving everyone eye contact, <laughs> probably scaring the shit out of everyone on yeah. the tube. And I remember being like, why is no one looking at me? Or like, why is no one saying hello? Or 
Why is no one making eye contact? Why does this feel so uncomfortable? Yeah. And within like a couple of months, that was literally me. I didn't make eye contact with anyone. Look at the floor. You look at the banners above people's heads. Yeah. Um, so that was a bit of a, a culture shock. But I think London is one of those places where you've got to experience it at least once in your life. There's mm. so many opportunities here and it's so accepting of everyone. Mm. I really love how diverse and multicultural and there's this real essence of you can be whoever you want to be and no one can judge yeah which i really loved yeah because there's i think (coughs) what ends up happening is that people have a real sense of purpose with everything they do so when you're looking at the person on the tube for me anyway i'm i'm projecting how i'm thinking in that Mm. situation i'm trying to get somewhere so like when i was coming to see you it's like i don't venture on the tube aimlessly right yeah. it's like i'm going to here i'm gonna be here this is the journey i'm planning in my head so when someone looks at me i'm a bit like uh, i don't know what you're doing <laughs> like it's you're so lost in i guess it's like a self-absorbed way in terms of you're concentrating on yourself almost to a fault but it's this sense of purpose and that i love that that's the main reason i love london it's that sense of energy it's yeah. like people are all trying to do something yes yeah and yeah it can be hectic and it can be it can be challenging, especially if you, you can feel very alone in it Definitely. amongst, you know, millions of people. But yeah. that energy, it always feels tangible almost yes. in central London. Yeah, no, that's true. I know what you mean, though. That must have been so, such a weird shock. Like, Yeah, I remember like it just kind of being, I don't know. I could understand that it was a new city. It was a new place. It would take me a while to get used to. But um, I think think I was almost emotionally too emotionally drained if I look back now because I've never struggled to kind of put myself out there and you know I had to do the same when I moved to Cape Town and I'd go to I made most of my friends by going to this um fitness club down the road but there was no part of me that was kind of ready to do that so it was also you know also me um I remember like scheduling out my days and trying to (laughs) trying to like leave okay I'll do grocery shopping tomorrow and then I need to go to the post office so I'll do that the next day and I used to have to like schedule things to do every day Mm. just to get me out of the house because I was just constantly in my bedroom in a you know in a shared apartment trying to set up my business my online business and just craving some like human interaction yeah (laughs) yeah I don't blame Oh, it sounds so sad now. I sound like such a loner, but it was just, yeah, I think for like eight months it was like that, but it was, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. If it was meant to be any other way and I was meant to have millions of friends at that time, it would have been like that. Yeah. 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 Um, So your friends were coming over from Africa. That kind of helped the transition. Do you remember when it felt like things were starting to turn around? It was starting to become a lot more positive. I remember, yeah, it was literally when my friends arrived and they were all looking for a house together. I was going to move in with them, but it just, it didn't quite work out. Mm. It didn't feel quite right. But just having them and then I knew like, okay, I have someone that I can call, that I can see what they're up to. We can go for coffee. That's all I was really craving was just like literally have someone to call up and meet for a coffee. Yeah. And just talk to another human being that's not over FaceTime. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that definitely, that was like an instant shift. I felt less alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember how that felt 
how did it impact your life in terms of you're setting up this business did did that sense of having someone that you felt like almost like a support network do you feel like it ended up affecting the business and everything that you had going on as well definitely because I think I really I'm very much a people person like I have to have I love my alone time because I have to re-energize as a a sensitive, intuitive soul. I I love connecting with other people, but it also makes me quite drained. So it's a fine balance. So having that contact again and having those friendly faces lifted my energy a lot. And I was suddenly more creative. I could, I felt like I didn't have the world on top of my shoulders and I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. So that definitely had a massive impact on my business. And then I moved in with one of my best friends who I went to middle school with on the Isle of Wight. Um, So we moved in together. And that was also, that was just so nice to be able to like have someone that would come back home because obviously I was self-employed. So, and I was working from my house. Mm -hmm. So to have someone come back in the evenings was just so nice. I felt like this housewife, like, oh, cook you dinner. And I never cooked her dinner, but (laughs) (laughs) I would have done Uh, she's a bit of a fussy eater um so that was really nice so I suddenly I suddenly felt like okay I can do this this feels feels doable but funny enough I never ever considered going back really never no just felt like it was like a closed door almost yeah I felt like everything that had happened and the way it had all ended was just I it was done the door had closed and I just knew that there was something else out there that's so interesting yeah the one thing i find really interesting and it's something that i've had to i'm still learning very much every day is your ability to be you strike this really i guess interesting balance between being very open being very honest about your journey but still having like boundaries like Mm. healthy boundaries in terms of how you portray yourself on social media what parts of your life you choose to you know share with people has that been like a trial or error process definitely yeah and i say i was a little bit of the other extreme of not sharing enough right. and i think this is something that i talk i try and talk about quite often now because the the women that i tend to work with are coaches or people that have you know this real desire to help other people in whichever way that is mm-hmm. but when you step into this industry and you now especially Mm self-development there is this underlying sense of I can't share how I feel I can't show any vulnerabilities and weaknesses Mm -hmm. because someone else is paying me to help them through their own yeah so it became this real kind of like mask I felt I had to put on which never felt right because I always felt inauthentic Mm -hmm. but over I'd say over the last six months it's been a conscious effort to now say you know what there are some really toxic sides to doing self-development work mm-hmm. one of them being not showing and sharing your own vulnerabilities on your journey mm-hmm. and viewing that as a weakness there is this real kind of I guess you're wanting to do self-development work because you're wanting to work on yourself you're wanting to feel more confident you're wanting to you know step into your full potential and sometimes that can come from a real kind of fixing energy mm-hmm. And almost a bit of a perfectionism energy. Yeah. So it's it's a, a really fine balance. It is a really fine balance. But I do stand by the fact that people really relate to humanness. Mm. 
people don't like people who are or I guess connect as well with people who have it all and are so perfect and you know show this real filtered version because no one's like that and everyone knows that so there is this real power in sharing stories and just being really open and saying you know what I don't have my shit figured out all the time yes I help other women feel confident and help them share their gifts but I'm able to do that because it's a journey that I've been on myself and I'm still continuing to do so it's definitely been been trial and error for sure when you were in the early stages of building your business how does that process look because i think people will see your process like what you've got now you've got this beautiful website this fantastic page of like (laughs) different content you're really creative in artwork like all these like things that they look great as a final product but i don't people don't get to see the nitty gritty of you learning all these processes and how to make it work how did you find it i guess in the early days of building it Oh my God, it has been one of, no, it has been the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. And I put my hand on heart. Yeah, it just, it takes every ounce of willpower, self-belief and momentum to keep you going. I have lost count of the amount of times I've cried and reach the point where I'm like why am I doing this Mm. like you know I feel like giving up and it's only from having a really incredible support system and a a part of me that just cannot give up that's kept me going but I'd say the process looks completely different for different people I think my business has changed so much over the last couple of years even within the last six months you know I've really kind of niched down and worked out what my true you know the real essence of my messages and that really is to facilitate healing for the healer for the person that is ready to empower the people but is lacking that self-confidence to do it and to start this momentum and this movement of of healing um stories and um empowering stories but i think when you get into this business development it's also self-development running at the same time you've almost got these two train tracks that you're trying to keep Mm. operating and sometimes they you know crash into each other or they veer off in different ways and it's like multi-managing but I you know if I could give one tip if anyone is building a business or has been building a business is you've just got to find like what is your why in those moments when you feel like giving up and that you feel nothing is moving, just why am I doing this? Like, what is my big why? And remind yourself of why you started it in the first place. And that was something I always, always go back to. And that really helped me. But yeah, it's a process. You have to be really gentle with yourself. And you can so easily kind of slip into this comparison mode. And I had this massive thing about needing to be further along my journey than I was and it became this real kind of I just discredit everything that I'd done up until this point and it's so unhealthy because it's just you know to get from A to B you have to take every step in between you can't you know jump there fly there otherwise what's the point in going there yeah just chart yeah oh so interesting (laughs) um and something that you've mentioned about kind of learning to kind of I guess hone in on like people that you want to work with 
Um, how early on did you decide that you were going to go like female exclusive for your clients? So that was something I get asked quite a lot about this because I have guys who will message and say, listen, your content really resonates. Do you ever work with men? And it does, I get a little bit torn there, but on a strategic level, it's easier to niche Mm -hmm. and for marketing purposes, it's easier to hone in on one message, one person, one problem on a personal level. I've always felt more comfortable around around women. Sure. Um, I think that was probably to do with my upbringing and kind of, um, I guess even, you know, my relationship with my stepdad and everything that stemmed from, I mean, I found out by accident about my stepdad when I was seven. Mm. I had no idea that my he wasn't my real dad. Right. And I think for me, from that point onwards was a really turbulent time for me in terms of how I felt in relationships with men and I didn't trust them and I felt like there was an ulterior motive all the time and it's definitely a a, a subconscious block that I have to work through. Mm. I think for me that plays into it a big amount but also I guess being a woman I kind of understand our journeys a lot more than I would you know potentially with the males but I mean as much as I say this self-confidence is universal everything that I share is and can be applied to every person Mm. um I guess I've just had to stay true to what I feel the most comfortable doing and working with and who I feel like I can facilitate the best transformation for and that's always that's always been women yeah and but no offense to men (laughs) you're great I love you (laughs) No, no, no. I think the the question that comes to my head is how powerful was it to set that intention when that was established? Um, yeah, I guess it. I've not really thought about it like that. It was a powerful intention. Mm-hmm. It was because I felt like I could do both. I could absolutely everything that I teach applies to both men and women. Mm-hmm. But I think I've always had to watch that I value my opinion and my reasoning behind everything mm-hmm. and that's always been something I I had been very uncomfortable with and I never wanted to say anything that would rock the boat or potentially upset someone else so I always used to kind of keep my voice quite um I was never one to really put my hand up and say anything or I was terrified of saying the wrong thing and offending someone mm-hmm. so I think for me to make that bold decision within my business to say you know what I'm going to honor how I feel. I'm going to honor that there is a discomfort there. And I'm okay with that. And until I get to the point where I feel comfortable that I want to work with both men and women, I'm happy to stick working with women. Yeah. Yeah. And um, because this journey, I guess, the self-development journey has obviously been 10 years and I'm not too sure business-wise, but it's irrelevant to the question. Um, What has been... I guess a profound learning that you've had through either self-development or self-employment that you think has surprised you in terms of it was never something you expected when you first started out on either journey? That is a good question. I think for me up until this point, it's been learning to really recognize and understand what you need. Mm. And I think on a really kind of like profound level... I think we're so quick to kind of switch off our emotions, switch off our needs, you know, please other people before us, put other people first. 
um, listen to other people's opinions and expectations and allow that to kind of steer your life or business. And the most crucial lesson I, I have learned so far is that I am in charge and this is my life and you know we're all here to kind of share a very important I genuinely hand on heart believe every single one of us has such a incredible story to share and we have something and we've been the things we've been through and the trials and the crappy stuff we've experienced have all allowed us to pick up these really unique and empowering tools that someone else is going to go through a similar journey and you know how to get them through that but I think staying true to what you need in every step of your journey is really really important you know if you don't want to do something don't do it if it doesn't feel good don't do it like I stick by the question if it feels good cool I'm going to do it if it doesn't feel good I'm not doing it and I try and apply that across all areas of my life and that really helps me set boundaries it helps me set intentions it helps me stay true to myself and honor myself on on all types of levels because I think we carry a lot of a lot of shame around who we are there are parts of us that we you know struggle with and that we are learning to kind of love and heal on our own times and on our own terms but within that it can be really easy to slip into this I'm just going to not even pretend it I'm just going to pretend it's not there and I'm not going to listen to that need because it doesn't fit in with my life it doesn't fit in with my schedule um doesn't fit in with my relationship so we're just gonna pretend that's not there Mm. so yeah I'd say just listen to what you need and do it I love it yeah um (laughs) one question that's just hit me quite all of a sudden Mm. um because you've spoken about I guess the distrust the potential for distrust across gender um How's that impacted the relationship you're currently in? Well, I guess for me, up until this point, so I've been with my boyfriend now almost three years. Right. Yeah, so this was my first ever healthy relationship. And because of my lack of boundaries, my low self-esteem, my people-pleasing tendencies, my need to give to others and overgive. I would attract one codependent relationship after another. So for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what codependency is, it's kind of that that feeling where you don't know where you end and the other person begins. And so there's this real kind of uh, manipulation and energy, but in a very subtle, in a very, in a survival way, you don't realize you're doing it, but mm. you lack so much self-value and self-love that, the other person is your source and you seek constant validation and approval so that was a massive massive thing and I just constantly remember being so frustrated at myself like why can't I just feel confident why can't I feel lovable why can't someone else see my value and why don't I feel comfortable around men like what's wrong with me kind of thing Mm. so it took me years of self-development work again to kind of understand that everything that I was seeking and distrusting in men was just a reflection of what I distrusted in myself I didn't trust myself to fall in love I wasn't emotionally available I think I was so terrified of losing someone that was important to me again after losing my mum that I definitely built, built walls 
But luckily, by the time I met my now boyfriend, and the reason I met my now boyfriend, Martin, is because I learned to come to, I guess, acceptance of that. Mm. I really just thought, you know what? I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm, lit- I'm never going to be perfect. It's not going to happen. And I don't expect the other person to be perfect. So why do I expect them to think I must be? Mm. And that was just like, literally like I released something in that one moment that I had this breakthrough moment and we met that evening. That's so strange. So it's a real like law of attraction manifestation story I always talk about. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. But there's definitely, it's such a good question. I've not thought about it, but yeah, there's definitely stuff that I still have to work through mm. with learning to trust and feel safe and just less worried about how I come across when I'm with guys. That was yeah. definitely always my trigger. Yeah. Which is so strange because I, I never got that with us. Yeah, it's funny. Like I can be really comfortable with pe- certain people and I can feel I can feel at ease very quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is only the second time we've ever met, so yeah. this is crazy. But I guess it's just one of those things. It's kind of you either... Some situations are easier for you than others. Mm-hmm. And energy is energy. If you guys get along and it's fine, then it's it tends to be a slightly it doesn't really matter what gender you are yeah yeah i always feel like i have a softer female or kind of more feminine energy anyway you do. yeah yeah so it's you know yeah so i don't know what it is but it just it intrigued me that you you've spoken about like yeah just having i guess trust issues is the best way of putting yeah. it yeah um, i've never really actually like spoken about it it's not really something that i think lots of i no. think it was definitely something when i was a child like when i was in high school because mm. obviously it's a time when you're meant to be like you know wanting yeah. to date boys and boys are the next cool thing and i was just like i'm not interested oh i was the same <laughs> were you yeah not with, with boys and girls but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but no i wasn't i i was like a super late bloomer in in like the love yeah so was i i just wanted to play football and just do stupid like guy shit like yeah that was just how i always was yeah i was like a i was like a 13 year old for like eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can't we just like play football and PlayStation and like just do nothing? Just live young. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about your podcast because that's just started, which is oh, super yeah. old. How did that come about and how have you found it so far? So that's quite a recent um, development. It's always it's been something I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. So I've started a podcast called Awakened Women Ooh. with a uh, little... Yeah, slide that in there you yeah you have to plug it 100% um, so I started with one of my really good friends um and she's a women's sales strategist Sophie Starkey mm-hmm. and it was actually born out of a shared experience that we'd had with a very narcissistic coach that we'd both hired last year Ooh. and that's how we met actually okay and we were just having these amazing conversations about narcissist versus versus empaths and the energy exchange and how to you know spot warning signs for really covert but incredibly manipulative people mm-hmm. and we just thought you know what not enough people are talking about this and as people who as women or i mean it's called awakened women so it's technically yeah, for yeah, women yeah. but <laughs> again it's universal um not enough women who are intuitive, sensitive, those real nurturers know that that 
attraction of a toxic relationship isn't there out of default and it's not there because it's just happened to you and it's been the way that the land lies it's this you know two energies being attracted to each other for very similar needs but from very different extremes so so the the podcast is that was just the first episode but the podcast really delves into all levels of spiritual development self-development we talk about friendships and communication and how to kind of it's almost like sitting down with your best girlfriends and just chatting shit but shit that's actually really valuable and gives you tools and resources so we've got two episodes up at the moment the second one is on manic versus aligned manifestation that's a that's a real goodie so if you're into law of attraction and developing that side um it's a really powerful podcast that will live in the show notes everything yes thank you please check it out um (laughs) how do you feel when you think about what you've achieved with your coaching work Oh, I guess I feel proud. Proud because I'm still here. (laughs) And what I've been able to learn from my clients even and kind of setting out to do something and doing it regardless of what was thrown my way, I feel feel really proud of. And I, I feel like really aligned with my message because it's been my experience firsthand and like if I can fully step into my full potential and share my gifts confidently then I feel like I represent what I'm trying to help other people do and other women so that for me feels a really amazing gift that I feel like I've given myself and yeah I think I know that I would have made you know my mum was one of my big reasons I started my journey and everything that I learned really did stem from her so I feel like so it's called Megan Nicola so Nicola was my mum's name Ah, it's my middle name but I always said if I start a business I've got to have some part of my mum in it because everything I teach is has got a small part of my mum um so yeah I feel like it's almost an ode what is it like an ode to an ode to my mum um and a gift to myself yeah. I never knew that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always uh, forget. That's actually not my last name. Megan yeah. Nicholas. Yeah, yeah no, my no, middle no. name. Do you allow yourself time to be reflective on your journey up to this point? I so I did one of those personality tests again today. Oh, really? <laughs> you know those sixteen personalities? Yeah. 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 So I got. I'm a campaigner. Okay. So it's an E N F. Oh, P. Yeah, mine is. What are you? Yeah, it'd be quite was, interesting. You're definitely within the. Um, it was the intuitive. Oh, that's gonna be level. super annoying. It was, yeah, it it was INFP. I think. I think it was mediator. Yes. Yeah. 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 So um, you get mediator, advocate, advocate, campaigner, protagonist. Yeah. 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 That would so make sense. So I um. Yeah, I have it somewhere. That's super annoying. But um, no, yeah. I got mediator. It's like the one that it was like Shakespeare and Tolkien, but it was super accurate. Yeah, scary accurate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've always had an ink because I've done a lot of like self development stuff like yourself. Yeah, you learn. I think self awareness ends up being so key in it all. Yes, yeah. This uh, is the thing. Like campaigners are very good at reflection, being super aware of their feelings 
to the point where it can sometimes backfire. Yeah. So I've always, I've always reflected. Mm. But, oh, but have I actually? I don't know. I'm very good at reflecting. I'm probably not so good at remembering some of the highlights or mm. some of the things and kind of allowing myself to sit in those those moments for longer yeah which is a vulnerable share because that's what I teach my clients to do and I think that's why going back to that point earlier it's so important to just be a human and just you know allow other people to see that side of you we're all in all a work in progress Mm -hmm. um but yeah today's definitely been a very good reflection exercise I'm so glad (laughs) I am one question before we get to these beautiful cards yes i also want to actually i'm going to mention this now because it's in my head um <laughs> you have drawn the gods of eden artwork i have. have somehow um i love it <laughs> oh good it's awesome how good. this is like a new thing right oh, you yeah. doing the, the like, artwork stuff it started as um i just it can be really easy when you're building a business to get bogged down with business stuff. Uh-huh. And I was starting to feel like I just needed some sort of creative outlet where I could just zone out and kind of just reignite that creative element again. Obviously, I've got it through my writing, but it's slightly different. I don't have to think with this. Yeah. Um, so I started to sell them a couple of weeks ago, and I think I've sold about five now oh look at you Mrs. Commissioned yeah, yeah well yeah but 20% is donated to um carers uk which is quite an um charity quite close to my heart because my dad was uh, ended up being pretty much a full-time carer for my mum and that is incredibly draining and I don't think a lot of people understand what people go through so it's just a really nice kind of a creative outlet for me and also another way of giving back to charity but also each painting comes with a motivational quote or an empowering quote on it so it's kind of a multitude of empowering i guess yeah (laughs) all involved every time i look at it i love it more and more oh Um, i'm so glad i just keep looking back and i'm like (laughs) this is gonna look great um the final question was what are your hopes for your business and life going forward so my one of my big aims this year is to go into more high schools yeah. and go and spread this message in girls high school so i've got two in march i'm doing one on women's day which i'm really excited about so that's a huge thing for me i really want to ramp up the amount of awareness on emotional intelligence self-confidence how to deal with self-doubt for you know young adults who you know when we all look back we we remember how stressful and a little bit overwhelming and terrified of making mistakes and what if I don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life and kind of teaching young women that everything happens exactly how it's meant to here are some tools that can help you really understand where you're coming from and why you're experiencing the emotions that you are Mm -hmm. how to feel more confident in your decision making and to also just learn to trust the ebb and flow of life. Yeah. You don't have to know it all. And you won't ever. Adults don't know it all. Yeah. So <laughs> you're not missing out on anything. And then, yeah, I guess to just work with as many women as possible this year through my um, three-month program. 
to really just start and keep continuing this movement of women openly and confidently sharing their their gifts you know that over that nurturing side that ability to connect and empower someone through your own story is really powerful stuff and I want to help as many women as possible this year to start healing other people yeah I definitely feel like I think maybe last year was a massive year I feel like the world is trans there's becoming this change from competition and hyper-masculine world Mm. and it is slowly balancing out in terms of more amazing women being like lifted and having that those quality traits of collaboration and care and empathy and emotional intelligence they're starting to become more highly valued in the world of business and everywhere definitely so i feel like yeah you're you're helping like a something that's flowing in the really good place you know yeah it feels like the right time to be you know things just feel like they're falling into place for this bigger vision that Mm -hmm. i have and it is it's an exciting exciting place to be oh great (laughs) right before we plug things yes we are going to preview slash I haven't got the pack, the tangible five pound note, but we've got. Oh no, no, no! This is free. Don't but you we, worry. But we are doing. We are about to do an intuitive reading. We are. So, can you, whilst this is all going on, yeah. explain what an intuitive reading is? So, we're going to do an intuitive card reading. So, this is something that I do with um, new clients of mine, and I've got an angel deck card here, mm-hmm. angel card deck. Um, by Doreen Virtue. These are amazing angel cards. Angel cards are one of those things where I feel like whenever you need a little bit of guidance, you've got a thousand questions in your head and you want some kind of like, what do I need to work on? What do I need to focus on? Angel cards are incredible for that. Awesome. So an intuitive reading, these cards just help me bring to the person a message that they need to hear, something that they need to... um, yeah that they need to hear today mm-hmm. and then normally there'll be other stuff that i can pick up from our interaction and the cards just help me facilitate so i shuffle until a card falls out all right and um you said that you picked up some stuff oh there we okay. go uh-huh um yeah you said you picked up some stuff on me when we first met i did yes definitely picked up on your feminine energy okay very you are an incredibly loving person you can just feel it feel it immediately Mm -hmm. i think sometimes there can be a part of you that feels like you live in a shadow of someone else Mm -hmm. and that can sometimes feel like you're so proud of that Mm -hmm. but at the same time i want to stand true and and be seen for me who i am Mm -hmm. and learning to get more comfortable with standing there yeah does that make does that resonate it does yeah okay 100 percent. so you got which is incredible you got be honest with yourself oh so this kind of confirms the reading so on the card it says look into your heart and you will know the truth of the situation it's safe to admit the truth to yourself for we will support and guide you through any necessary changes lean upon us for courage and the strength to take good care of yourself Focus only upon your true desires and they'll come to you upon angels' wings. Aww. So that to me feels like it's more of a building on what we said and kind of getting comfortable with 
I guess, getting in touch with that side of yourself and understanding, okay, what it is, what is it that I want to bring forward? What do I want to be known for? If I was sitting on the opposite side of this podcast, what would my answers be? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I love it. That's great. Thanks, Meg. You're You're the best. You're welcome. I could go on for ages, but I'm a bit time conscious. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. And, you know, it's a freebie as well, so (laughs) don't give away too much. Um, Okay, this is just one of the many things that you do. So, this is shameless plug time. Oh, wow. Plug everything you've got going on, because you are multi-talented and provide many, many different... I guess, avenues for business slash help and purpose. So, Megs, please tell the world where we can find you and also what you're doing, what you're providing service-wise. Okay, cool. So you can find me on Instagram Mm -hmm. at MeganNicola underscore. So it's a double N. Um, My website is MeganNicola.co.uk. The same. You can find me on Facebook, MeganNicola. You get the gist. Um, The main ways that I work with my clients are either a one-hour, a one-off session. Um, So these are £99. And these are really great for an introduction to the transformations that are possible. So these sessions are really there to kind of help you pinpoint exactly what you're underlying. So if you think of like... If you think of self-doubt and all the things that we struggle with as a spider's web, mm-hmm. my job in that session is to literally find the middle where all the other webs kind of come out from. So we find the core core block that you're experiencing and why you're experiencing such levels of self-doubt or self-criticism or imposter syndrome or all of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But then my main way of working with women is through my slightly longer program. So this is where I work with intuitive, empathic, sensitive women over a period of, it's a minimum of eight sessions together. So it's only spread out over 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. And this is where we really delve deep into getting rid of all your emotional wounds, all the self-healing, self-sabotage, self-criticism, self-judgment, self-doubt, elevating your confidence working through everything that's kind of you know when you just feel like you're getting in your own way that is what I help you undo and relearn much more gentle but empowering ways to continue your involvement um and how to then facilitate and step into your full potential as a natural born healer Mm -hmm. with an empowering story I love it so yeah okay awesome I'm gonna plug in the show notes you're gonna be able to see this is for the listeners, but you're going to be able to see the book that you recommended, your podcast, your website, your Instagram. Perfect. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Fantastic. Right, Megs, before I let you go, yeah. final four questions. There is a slight change from season two, but these are four questions that everyone will answer. Um, they're more, I guess, deeper questions, more grandioso in terms <laughs> of what life is. But... um. I'll ask you the first one, which is what's one thing in your life you're proud of overall? Probably moving to London and setting up this business. Mm. Yeah. In a nutshell, that those are my biggest achievements ever. All right, cool. Yeah. So your second question, what's your biggest personal struggle that many people may not know about? That would definitely be my assertiveness. 
I have to actively, actively practice being more assertive. Mm-hmm. I think I can sometimes be a little bit too laid back and a bit go with the flow. And sometimes that can cause me to kind of, I guess, not disempower myself, but in a in a situation where I'm with a slightly more stronger energy or someone that's more assertive, I have to really kind of push myself to step into that that um assertiveness and that strength in, in my voice i love how your whole posture changed when you asked did question. it <laughs> just like yeah so i need to be more assertive <laughs> that's one of my techniques oh i love it it's the um oh god i always forget her name ted talk yes oh, oh the, the blonde lady yeah. uh the power pose yes yes oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Snap, that's gonna annoy me Oh, is it Carol's, uh, is Sarah? That, is it Co- Cody? Last name? Right, hang on. Yeah, let's find this out on my... TEDx, um... It's like the power... Power, yeah. Power pose. Cody, I think. Amy Cuddy. Yeah. yeah well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah no, nah, I love that. <laughs> That's so funny, I didn't even realise I was doing that. That's like straight up <laughs> Right, and question three. What are three personality traits slash characteristics that you would say you have built your life upon up to this point? Honesty, integrity, and kindness. Okay, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I think those are my three. I agree. Um, the last question. Actually, my... I kept telling people I feel bad about asking it, but it is actually my favorite question. I'm going to really embrace that this year. I love this question. Many years into the future, your time as Megan Airy slash Megan Nicker is coming to an end. The person closest to you only has one sentence to describe you and your time here on earth. What would you hope that would be? I would hope that they would say Meg's a loud woman all over the world to recognize what they were possible of achieving if they believed in themselves i love it that would be yeah oh i love it that would be my thing thank you so much for your time no worries thank you for everything um guys please check out meg's and for the dude listeners um the content I, like it resonates with me yeah, i love it so it's universal yeah so please go support megs in whatever way that you feel that you can um yeah and just celebrate the phenomenal woman that you are oh thank you and thank you for having me no. i've loved yeah i've never been i don't think i've ever sat down and just shared my whole life story so it's been a real um real experience i've loved it so thank you that means a lot thank you very much (laughs) thank you right guys goodbye